Hey, college baseball fans, happy 4th of July weekend. Welcome to the episode where we talk about the end of the College World Series with the Ole Miss Rebels keeping the championship in the state of Mississippi. My name's Ben Upton. I'm the host today of the 11.7 podcast. Appreciate you for listening. And uh, just wanted to kind of give you guys a pre-episode heads up. Dimitri and I recorded today's episode via Zoom, and uh, he's over in Italy again playing professional baseball. He flew out there last Saturday, and uh, we've been trying to come up with a time to record this episode because it is meaningful to a lot of people out there that wanted to get some closure on this year's college baseball season. And uh, I'll be honest with you, the the connection was not great. I'm going to have to do a Michael Jordan-esque editing for this. There was a lot of moments that were paused because uh, connection issues, volume issues. And and so before we do the intro music and all that, I want to kind of give you guys a summary of the show. Uh, Before Dimitri and I come on together, before that recorded part, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys kind of a summary of what's been going on across the college baseball landscape. You know, we have not only the bombshell news of USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 pretty much effectively immediately, um, starting after this next football season, uh, joining the Big Ten, which was a huge surprise. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. I'm also going to talk about how LSU has become pretty much the, the Manchester United of college baseball, really dipping into the NIL and transfer portal and how they've landed some of the top talent across the country. Um, I'm also going to talk to you guys about Link Jarrett getting hired at Florida State. That news came out a week ago, and how I think that's going to be a good hire there. And we're going to compare it to the Eric Backich getting hired at Clemson. I'm just going to give you my initial thoughts, and we're going to talk about all of that. And then at the end of the episode, I'll play the edited mark that Dimitri and I did. Uh, It's not going to be the best audio, like I said. But the content behind it's pretty good, and it was good to catch up with him overseas. So y'all enjoy the episode, and I appreciate all the support you guys gave us all year long. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the off-season plans we have coming up that I think you guys are going to be really excited about. Down the line to right. It's gone! Garrett Forrester walks it off for Oregon State! What happened? He just like benched like five of the starters. Four of them were all Americans. Big hit pop. Did he just do it? Yes, he did! This is loaded in the NCAA tournament. And he sends a drive to deep right! Elko! Grand Slam! Beer showers about! McGarry's 2-2 pitch to Lanzilli. Strike three called and Virginia has completed a no-hitter tonight! Pushes a bunt to third. James to first. Hayes out! What a way to end it! And what a way to end a drought! Mississippi State, the national champions, destroying Vanderbilt 9-0.
Wow. Okay. So I guess the first step that I have to do is uh, I got to change that new intro music. We got a new season under the belt. That was all from last year, 2021. And of course, we have some remarkable highlights that for episodes moving forward, I'll have a new intro song dubbed with uh, probably the, the old Miss National Championship uh, audio at the end instead of the Mississippi State. So if you're a Mississippi State fan suffering through this podcast today, this will be the last time that we will hear that intro music. But what's up, everybody? Um, we have a little bit different of a show. I, I mentioned it earlier. Um, after this little recorded segment that I'm going to do, Dimitri and I will come on. We already recorded the, the, the part that we wanted to do. It was supposed to be a full episode long. The connection was just terrible. I don't know what, what they're doing over there in Italy, but it was a uh, it was a terrible connection. The audio wasn't great. But anyways, I'm here to talk to you guys about you know my thoughts on the conclusion of the 2022 college baseball season. One, it was an incredible growth for 11.7. We we almost tripled in followers. We're up at close to 32,000 followers now on Twitter, which is just mind blowing to me. Coming from where we started at at ground zero back in 2019. And, uh, and the podcast downloads have been doubled. Uh, we're getting over 3,000 per episode pretty much uh, from what I see across all platforms, um, which is a really good amount. I mean, it's tough to capture an audience for such a niche sport. Uh, and I say that word so wrong. Niche, niche, whatever you want to call it. And, and, and you might ask me like, oh, Ben, like you know, 3,000 followers, that's, that's, that's great. Or you might say, Ben, do you think you can improve? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to continue to Im- improve. I look back at the stats, and every year it, it continues to go up. And, uh, and it's really focused on you guys as listeners because I think the best way to spread podcasts is through word of mouth. And we do have um, very much OG followers, OG listeners that, that tell their friends about it. And uh, they, they usually communicate to us. They usually communicate and say, hey, I told my, my best friend about it. He told his friends. And, uh, and I hope that that continues to happen going into next season. So before I get into the Ole Miss stuff, um, you know, I wanted to first kind of give you guys an idea of what our plans are for this offseason. You know, I've looked at it, and, and I always told myself, hey, if we ever get to 25,000 followers on Twitter, I'm going to start doing you know, year-round content. Uh, I'm going to start doing year-round podcasts. Now, they won't be as frequent um, in the offseason just because there's not as much interest in the game, which, which sucks, but uh, there's just not much going on. So what I plan on doing, I, I plan on doing a lot more interviews with coaches. It's hard to get to coaches, especially head coaches, during the season. Uh, you know, they're busy guys. This, they're the CEOs of their jobs. They have to handle so many different moving parts. And uh, you know, I've reached out to quite a few big-name coaches, and they have very much expressed interest in coming on the show now in the off-season. So a lot more one-on-one interviews. And, uh, and I also plan on talking to players, former players, and, uh, and maybe even some of you guys listening. We want to hear your thoughts and, and maybe do some 10-minute, 15-minute segments with some of our longtime listeners. And uh, I, I think that'll be good. Uh, you know, obviously there's not going to be as much product to talk about. We have summer ball, which is great. It's hard to watch summer ball games on, on streams and things. Um, but what we're also going to have is different baseball events going on during the off season. 
You know, I might dip my toes into the Little League World Series uh, that's coming up in August. And uh, I don't necessarily love the Little League World Series. I think the play on the field is not real baseball compared to what other 12-year-olds are playing. But they, the, the television product is there. It's available. There's stories behind everything. So I might talk a little bit about Little League World Series. Uh, we have the World Baseball Classic coming up in next March. And that's my favorite time of the year. And Dimitri and I talk a little bit about that at the end of the episode here. Um, but the World Baseball Classic is going to be is going to be great. Uh, and and you know there's going to be a lot of fall ball going on. And I plan on uh, talking to players and coaches during their fall ball season, kind of getting scouting reports and things. But it, the the future is up in the air. There is no set hard plans yet. Uh, but I can promise you guys that maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, some weeks it might be twice a week. There's going to be spontaneous podcasts where if I think that there is a uh, a good interview that needs to happen, I'm going to make it happen for you guys. So I wanted to get out in front on that. But going back into the, uh, the College World Series, uh, I thought this year was once again another impeccable College World Series. And you, you may ask yourself, well, what do you mean by impeccable? I mean that I think if you sit back and you're not a fan of any of the eight teams, you can invest yourself into the College World Series. Whether you pick a favorite team, whether you pick a favorite player to follow or a storyline, um, or you're just a gambler, you know, someone that wanted to um, you know, make some extra money or lose some extra money on, uh, on watching some sports, I thought that everything went very smoothly, opposed to last year when there was a lot of drama. Uh, the, the best way I can put it is each year, if you look at the ESPN numbers, the viewership, the social media interaction, at, at the end of the College World Series, if you can look at those numbers and they were better than the year before, it was a successful season because all we want to do is see this sport grow. And uh, for the last four years, we've been, or I guess three and a half years because of COVID, we've, we've done 11.7 podcasts. It's grown every single year. And even back in my playing days, uh, 2014 through 2017, you, you, you started to see this, uh, you started to see this sport gain a lot of momentum. And that makes me so happy. It makes me so happy because I care deeply about this. Um, everybody in the world has their own passions, whether it's cooking or uh, playing music or uh, watching YouTube, whatever it may be, whatever you're good at um, or whatever you enjoy doing in your off time. Uh, co college baseball is that for me. Um, now, it's not a full-time job. I, uh, I mean, I'm a licensed auto insurance agent for GEICO, for those of you that don't know. I'm pretty open about that. Um, auto insurance isn't my passion. I do it to pay the bills. I've got a family now, wife, newborn kid. Uh, so, I mean, i got to do it to pay the bills. But um, to look at it as a passion project is, is perfectly okay with me. In fact, I, I think it's, it's better for me. I get to decompress and I get to um, relax and, and, and not focus about it, um, worrying about getting paid or, or money or anything like that. And that's why I've never pushed it on the fans or any kind of sponsors or advertisers or anything, because I think once it starts becoming about the money, it, it, it becomes more stressful, one, which I already have enough stress in my life. Two, I think it loses the authentic product that we put out. Um, you know, when we have to answer questions because we're getting paid, it, it's not a, uh, 
it, it just doesn't make it enjoyable. I'll leave it at that. But um, so it's not a full-time job for me, but it kind of felt like full-time job for Dimitri and myself this past year because we were continuing to put out the content on social media, uh, mostly Twitter. We need to start growing TikTok and YouTube and Instagram again. Uh, we, we'll focus on that for next year. But um, I guess circling back to my point, I, I think that this year's College World Series, uh, it, it, it answered all the bells. Uh, it answered everything that I wanted, and, uh, and hopefully it did for you as well. Um, but moving into actual literal college baseball now, the, the Ole Miss run that we just witnessed was something that uh, something I haven't seen that I can think of off the top of my head. And, yeah, they were a great team. Going into the season, preseason ranked top ten. They got up to the number one spot in a lot of polls around week two or week three. Yeah, we knew they were talented. But the teams that we saw, the team that we saw uh, March, April, th- that was not a good team. And sure, they might have been dealing with injuries. They might have not had locked in roles on, on, this, on the club. Nobody knew what their role was. And, and yeah, that hurts. But the, the on-field play was, was, was terrible. And then you just turn it around, starting beginning of May, go on like a seven-game SEC win streak. You start pitching better. Um, and then you roll that into an SEC tournament when you're already on the bubble. And, and then you lose to Vanderbilt 3-1 to one and you think your season's over. Ole Miss fans were calling for Mike Bianco's job. I was probably calling for Mike Bianco's job. I'm sure there's tweets out there where I was talking about you know, replacing him. And I think I even quoted in a podcast saying that he looks uninterested in his job. It's, it's those type of things that make this sport great. It's those type of things that when you count a team out, 100%, 0% chance that they're going to win a national championship, probably a less than 1% chance they get to Omaha. Selection day rolls around. Everybody thinks that Ole Miss is on the outside looking in. They get into the tournament. Everybody is, is questioning the committee. I was on the forefront of that. I said, what are we doing letting Ole Miss in the tournament? They don't deserve to be there. Who let these guys in? You, you turn around and you look. It's middle of June. They're still playing. They're still rolling teams. Absolutely just beating teams to death. Um, and, and here they are. They're They're – freaking national champions. So the, the national championship trophy stays in the state of Mississippi after Mississippi State comes out and wins last year. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a storybook thing, and I hope one day, very soon, there's a documentary similar to what we saw with Mississippi State last year. Um, but it was led by Tim Elko. And what Tim Elko did was not only hit 23 home runs on the year, hit in the middle of the order all season long, but it was the leadership that he did. And it started last year. It started last year when he tore his ACL season over, right, for 98% of players. Season completely over, you pack it in, you, uh, you know, try to get ready for either the MLB draft or you get ready for the, uh, the next season coming up. And no, he said, no, I'm going to play. I can DH. I can still hit a baseball very far. No problem. Coach Bianco put me in. 
Let's let's run this and let's let's finish the year strong. And that's what he did. And he he hit a couple big time home runs last year. So I think that showed his teammates like yes, he's the captain for a reason. He wasn't gifted this position. We're going to look up to him. So fast forward to the beginning of this year. I'm sure the offseason went great. There's a couple YouTube videos out there of their Omaha Challenge. Ole Miss baseball does a good job promoting the sport in the offseason. But going to the, the beginning part of this year, I know everybody was probably, uh, at least on the team and on the staff, very excited about this year. Their, their arch rival, in-state rival at Mississippi State, wins the College World Series last year. And they're thinking, all right, this is our year to cut all the noise, cut all the bragging rights. We're going to win it this year. And the um, I don't know if it was if it was arrogance or players not preparing pr- uh, correctly, but something wasn't right in the beginning part of the year. And uh, and to all of the reports out there and all the interviews that Tim Elko did, he's all basically saying like, guys, like we 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 got this. We just gotta you know continue to prepare well. We gotta continue to. Um, you know, play the game the right way, not be uh, showboating other teams, bat flips, all that. We're just going to keep our heads down. We're going to get this right. We're going to get right, and if uh, if we get a chance to get in this tournament, we're going to win it all. We're going to win the College World Series. And all they have to do is just give us a chance, and uh, they buckled down the last 10 games or so and uh, and, and got into the tournament. And, uh, and for the most part, it seems like everybody is giving credit more so to Tim Elko than, than even like coaching staffs and things, but the, the Ole Miss formula was the pitching staff. I don't know what happened. I think I mentioned later on the episode, it's one of two things that happened. Either that they got healthy, the pitching staff finally got healthy, and they, and they got access to their best stuff. And, um, and when I say best stuff, I mean their, their pitches were – or more sharp, more electric, you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever noun or adjective you want to use. Uh, so either they got healthy and, and they got physically better, or it was mental. It was, okay, let's accept my role as a pitcher. Uh, I'm going to come in, in in this situation, or I'm going to be a starting pitcher. I'll be on Fridays every single time. Uh, Dylan DeLucia was incredible all year long and, and stepped in for – uh, Derek Diamond, who I believe was the opening day starter, um, but it was Delucia's staff, and then you know you had guys like Hunter Elliott, who was a true freshman, step up and, and become that that second starter or Saturday starter, as we call it in college baseball. Um, and and his, I mean, his last half of the season was was something to make a note about because he's going to be a problem for SEC hitters for the next two years probably. Um, but yeah, the pitching staff is what 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 would carry them over the fence. You know, the offense was always there, led by um, you know, Jacob Gonzalez, Hayden Dunhurst, Kevin Graham, uh, and then just pretty much one through nine. They knew who their position players were going to be. Uh, it was the pitching staff, and, and, and you look back at the last 20 games or so for the Rebels, I think they gave up over three runs twice. Once to Arkansas when, they, when Ole Miss won 13-5. It was a blowout. And then the other time was uh, to Arizona when they won 22 to six. And you know I think there might have been like a seven to four game mixed in there, but for the most part, it, they were they were winning games because they were giving up three runs or less. And that in college baseball, if you can do that, especially with the juiced ball era that we're playing in right now, 
you're gonna win a lot of games, and and you're gonna you're gonna see yourself continue to move on the postseason. Uh, in fact, like their SEC tournament loss to Vanderbilt was three to one. They just couldn't score, and it just happened to be the day where they just couldn't score. But who knows if they uh, if they score four runs that day, they could have very well won the SEC tournament. Um, and Dimitri proposes the question later on in the episode. He says, "Do you think Ole Miss playing how they were in Omaha?" If they played against Tennessee how they were playing in the regular season, who do you think would win? And naturally, I, my, my head went straight to Tennessee. Like, okay, Tennessee was the best team all year, and when they were at their peak, no one's beating them. And I still believe that. Tennessee at their peak, no offense to anybody else out here listening who's not a Tennessee fan, but when Tennessee was playing their best baseball, there was not a team in the country that could have beat them. Um, but I think... With the way Ole Miss was playing, I think it would have been a dang good series. And and two out of three, I think Ole Miss wins a game. And I, I think they make it close all three games. And who knows? I could be wrong. Like they, Ole Miss could have won. Um, there just wasn't – there wasn't a team that was going to beat them twice. There just wasn't. Um, if there was a team in the College World Series, it would have been Oklahoma. And Ole Miss won both games. Didn't even get to a game three. So – I guess the moral of the story here, if you're, if you're a college baseball fan for any team in the country, any team, it's all about getting hot at the right time and, and making sure the puzzle fits when it counts the most. Not in February, not in March, not in April. You know, of course, you have to win those games to get into a position in May and June. Uh, you have to have somewhat of a respectable season. But you see it with Coastal Carolina in 2016. They were, I don't have their exact schedule memorized, but um, that wasn't the best Coastal Carolina regular season team we've seen. Well, it was probably third or fourth. Um, but w- once the postseason kicked into play, there wasn't a team that was going to beat them twice. They were they were just playing that much better than everybody else. And they, and they got breaks go their way. Uh, and it seems to happen every year. NC State is a good example from last year. Um, they were they were not a great regular season team. They had to have a really good ACC tournament to even get in the play. I mean, they probably would have been a postseason team, but probably not a two seed. They probably would have been a three seed. Um, but they rolled all the way to Omaha, beating Arkansas, Louisiana Tech, those teams. Um, but and and even Mississippi State last year, they 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 went zero and two in their conference tournament. And uh, I think they might have even gotten shut out both times or something ridiculous like that. Um, and they, they, they found their roles on the pitching side of things. They had guys, Will Bednar, and, and of course Landon Sims came on the scene hot uh, all year long there. But uh, they, uh, they got hot at the right time. So it's very interesting. Obviously the regular season matters, um, but it's not end-all, be-all. Um, Tennessee... If there was an end-all, be-all, regular season matters, postseason matters, whatever, it would have been this year. But Notre Dame came in and, and beat Tennessee. So um, what I'm trying to say, and I, it might sound like I'm rambling and you guys want to get to the actual episode, uh, but I'm doing this as kind of a stall tactic because I'm not 100% confident in the audio, uh, what it's actually going to sound like. Uh, just It might be a little staticky, but um, what I'm trying to get at is the, how do I put this? 
college baseball is is the most complete product I think we have out of any sport because one it's the best postseason structure two um, in order to get to the postseason structure the regular season is meaningful and other than two or three conferences if you don't win your conference tournament you're sweating on selection day uh, I mean we saw it with Rutgers this year in the Big Ten um, if you don't win your conference tournament you're sweating if you're not in the SEC or ACC. And even teams like Ole Miss were sweating this year. Uh, so the, the regular season matters. It really does. Because when you get to your conference tournament, if you slip up and you don't win it, you can pretty much kiss your chances goodbye. There's not very many at-large bids going around that are, that are locked in. Um, but the, uh, the, the college baseball, I mean, out of all sports, I, I, I might be biased. I think college baseball has the most complete package. Um, so yeah, there's that, but anyways, moving on, there's a couple other hot storylines, uh, Florida state hires link Jarrett, which we all kind of saw coming, uh, once Notre Dame was going to be eliminated from the, ter- uh, from the college world series, we knew that that news was going to get released and it is, um, I mean, he's, he's the hottest coaching guy out there right now. Um, what he did at UNC Greensboro, what he did at Notre Dame, you can't compare. And he goes back home he's a Florida state alumni, played baseball. There was roommates with Mike Martin. And now he's replacing Mike Martin Jr., I say. Now he's replacing Jr. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do and uh, maybe bring Florida State back to the College World Series next season like he did with Notre Dame this year. But it's going to be weird. He's going ACC school to ACC school. Um, There's going to be a lot of people at Notre Dame that are probably going to be upset about that. Um, But uh, we'll have to wait and see. And, uh, And... Dimitri proposes the question of is who's who's got a better chance of going to Omaha first, Link Jarrett at Florida State or Eric Backich at Clemson, and I think they're both in good positions next season to get there. the The star power is there, the talent is there for both. Transfer portal is wide open, um, so I, I expect I expect one of those two teams to get there next season. So it's not going to be a long waiting game. There's going to be quick turnaround. And uh, and we'll, we'll we'll have to see, but I'm very confident in that one of those two teams gets there next year. Um, I mean, I can't even believe I skipped over this. I mean, UCLA and USC are leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten, which doesn't make sense yet in my head. I know everything has to do with money. Everything has to do with football. The Pac-12 has been very much disappointing, probably like the last decade or so. And, and the Big Ten continues to rise. So this is, in a baseball standpoint, an awesome thing, in my opinion, as far as getting better teams there. It's going to help RPI. Uh, but as far as travel and, and things, it's going to be a headache. Because if you think about it, when Rutgers has to fly to Los Angeles to play, um, to play the Bruins or play the Trojans, let's just say a, a first pitch at, at 12 o'clock, at noon Pacific time. That's 3 p.m. already Eastern time. You play a three-hour game. You got a five-hour flight back. I mean, you're not getting home until late, late, late. And it's going to cost a lot of money to to fly those programs back and forth, back and forth, because um, somebody's got to play at home. So whether you're shipping off UCLA to middle of Iowa or you're shipping off um, Indiana to, to Los Angeles, no matter what it is, there's going to be a lot of travel there. Um, and, you know, if, I think they're going to figure it out for football and basketball. I, I think it's going to be quite a headache for, for baseball. And uh, hopefully I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm not 
not excited about that because I think there's going to be a lot of ties. I think there's going to be a lot of no contests, like don't finish the games, don't play it. So um, there's that. But uh, that that was a bombshell that we heard recently. Um, and then obviously LSU has just been absolutely dominating the transfer portal. Jay Johnson did it last year with Jacob Berry, bringing him over from Arizona. This year he gets Tommy Tanks, who has one of the best, had one of the best freshman seasons of all time. Um, going from NC State over to LSU. Uh, and then, you know, of course, he gets Carter Young from Vanderbilt, Christian Little from Vanderbilt. And uh, and then he also has um, uh, UCLA Thatcher Hurd uh, coming over from UCLA. And then possibly Hurston Waldrop from Southern Miss is the rumor. So they're going to be absolutely loaded. They're going to be the Barcelona, the, the um I don't even know what I'm trying to think of a European soccer team. I couldn't even do it in the episode either. Dimitri tried to help me, but the, the, the market is out there and uh, LSU NIL deals and donors are really going to try to help that baseball team win a national championship because they cannot sit back and look at uh, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, Mississippi state, uh, Florida, those schools winning national championships in the last five years. They can't sit back and not win one themselves. So uh, anyways, you, you guys enjoy the episode. If you guys hear my son in the background crying, I apologize. He is hungry. It is a Friday morning here, and uh, I'm going to go feed him. Y'all enjoy the rest of the episode, um, and tweet us your thoughts. Let us know what you think, and uh, and if you have any off-season content, let me know, and uh, I'll definitely take that into consideration. All right, three, two, one. What's up, college baseball fans? Welcome to the 2022 season recap episode uh, actually, I just lied. It's not a season recap episode. What we have here is our Old Miss National Championship episode, joined by Dimitri. He is live in Italy, just like last year. Back to the good old days. Um, we're here to talk to you guys about Ole Miss winning a national championship. What a freaking run they had to, to end the regular season. It, it was incredible. I know we're coming a week after all of the... All of the fun stuff happened, uh, but what a what a freaking run that that team had! Yeah, sorry, uh, we're kind of like, what's up, everybody? By the way, um, it's like we're like five days late. I mean, let's see, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, when yeah, we're like five days late. Um, sorry about that, but it's just it had it, we we couldn't do it earlier. I was sleeping. Ben with the wake. Ben with the wake. I was sleeping. The <laughs> six hour time difference. Um, but yeah, we're here. Ole Miss. I couldn't have been more wrong about them and I couldn't have been more wrong on the whole season. Yeah. I mean, there was only a few people in the world that still, that still, yeah, there was only a few people in the world that still believed in this Ole Miss club. Um, but Hey, I mean, they're national champions. Uh, I don't know where their pitching staff came from down the last 20 games of the season, but unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. They they started just throwing probably five miles an hour harder. It seemed like off speed got nastier, and and they just weren't getting barreled. I mean, you bring it all the way back to like the last seven games of the regular season, and or not. I mean, like let's say seven of the last ten games in the regular season, um, and like their pitching staff went from like an ERA of six to like an ERA of two point five. I mean, Ben, they were. They were literally commanding. They were their velos. I don't. I don't know if I can say that their velos were all up because I. I. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't think. I don't actually think they were. But 
It felt like it. But there's like their pitchability was up, and it felt like they had a whole new reborn level of confidence. Like they were just saying, "Hey," they were just pitching and saying, "Hey, try to hit this." Like they had the confidence. They had the edge, confidence wide pitcher versus hitter, and they were just challenging dudes and beating them. And it was just like, how can I predict this? Like, I mean, it all started. I mean, even the SEC tournament, Hoover, they got beat. I'm trying to remember who beat them. Was it Tennessee that beat them or Vanderbilt? I think it was Vanderbilt. Vandy beat them. And then they go down. Coral Gable. Freaking Delusia Arizona. Elliot shoved against Miami. Uh, Hattiesburg Super. They threw up back. Back-to-back shutout, and then they go to Omaha, and they don't give up. Did they give up more than three runs in a game? Was, their one loss to Arkansas was like what four to two, four to three. I think it was three to two, or maybe it was three. I mean, it, it was incredible where the pitching staff <laughs> yeah, came they're, from. Like, I, they're, I, like their one can loss. Troll me, <laughs> troll me all one you loss want. Was to oh, Arkansas three to yeah, two. Yeah, three to two. So you can troll me all you want being wrong. I, that's fine. I was so wrong. I, I was so freaking wrong. But you can't sit here and tell me that anybody can just predict that this Ole Miss team was going to give up three runs or less almost every game in postseason outside of that one game. I think it was against Arizona. It was like a 13 to 5 like or 17. To, it was like a huge blowout. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking back now. They uh, after losing to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament, which they only lost three to one. Uh, that was one of their three postseason losses. Uh, no, one of their two postseason losses. Yeah, uh, I was about to say only it was only they only lost it for Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Yeah, and the, and then they gave up. Let's see. They gave up four to Arizona the first regional game, but they won seven to four. They gave up six to Arizona, but they won twenty-two to six. There they you gave go. Up, That's it. Yeah, and then they gave up five to Arkansas, but they won thirteen to five. And I mean, you can't really, you can't really hold those five runs against them because they probably brought in guys, you know, just to eat up in out, just to eat up inning because they were up big. But in any other game, nobody was scoring. Incredible. Tip my cap. It has to be one of two things here. Um, Because college baseball is no secret. Like, college baseball kind of has a formula. You have to have starting pitchers go deep in the games, and you have to have, you know, three to four bullpen guys that you can rely on to get outs at any time. And, I I mean, it's – it's one of probably two things. One, either the pitchers got healthy at the end of the year. Uh, maybe they were battling through some injuries in the in the middle part of the year, and, and they finally got healthy again. Uh, stuff got better. Or, I mean, it was confidence. Uh, or, or, like, once they got the rotation set and each guy had a role that they bought into, um, you know, and they came into the game, each game with a game plan, uh, and that's the only two explanations. Like these guys didn't get magically more talented throughout the season. Um, But yeah, you don't, you don't just get, you don't just get infinitely better without changing the sliders on MLB the show. Like you don't just go in and put everybody on 99 and all of a sudden become better. 
But I will say this, that you just re- you reminded me of something. Do you remember when Bianco basically just called out his whole pitching staff thing? I don't know who to throw. I have nobody. Nobody's good enough to be a Friday night guy. Yada, yes. yada, yada. And my initial thought, my initial reaction was, Bianco, you're supposed to instill confidence in these guys. You're supposed to build them up. You're supposed to make them feel like they're good enough to be there. And three, you're supposed to make them want to go to war for you. When their coach is basically just saying you're not good enough, you you could either take it as a challenge, like oh fuck no, like I am good enough now, let me show you, or they can take it as our coach doesn't believe in us. Why should we believe in him? That's the two ways. And Ole Miss, now that we look at it, Ole Miss took the I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not cool with that. I'm gonna show you how good I am. Dylan Delucia takes over the Friday night guy. Elliot steps into Saturday. Um, Johnson stepped up in the closer role. Everybody bought into their roles, and just it was a whole new. It was a thing like a whole new team. So, dude, I completely forgot about that. But we spent a good amount of time on one of the podcasts about um, kind of roasting Bianco, saying like, "What are you? What are you doing here? Like, these are your guys you brought in. You, you can't just go in free agency and go sign some more. Or there's no trade deadline. You have to." Uh, you, you know, gotta ride with these guys. These are your guys. Yeah, and and you're right, man. They had to, uh, they had they to. Yeah, I mean, they had to pretty much buy in or, or get lost. So, um, you know, obviously this episode is going to be focused more around Ole Miss and their national championship, but it's not going to be, um, you know, a terribly long episode just because there's not a whole lot to talk about other than a few other uh, storylines. I mean, we have LSU becoming. Uh, the next New York Yankees or the um, – I'm trying to think of a European soccer team. Who's the European soccer team that always goes and buys players or, or goes out? I mean, the, I mean, there's a few. You could say it's Barcelona. You could say it's Real Madrid. You could say it's Manchester United. Yeah. I mean, LSU has turned into uh, like basically the Alabama football. Um, the the free agent – not free. I'm going to quit calling it free agency because it, it's not. But – the uh, the transfer portal has been very nice for the second straight year for Jay Johnson and LSU Tigers. Uh, Link Jarrett uh, just signed to be the head coach at Florida State, which we all kind of saw coming. Um, and then UCLA and USC, just with the biggest news of the past week, other than Ole Miss's national championship, they're packing up and leaving for the Big Ten. So those are three of the other storylines we're going to talk about on this episode. Uh which one of those three topics you want to talk about first? Because I, I, I have... let's, let's let's finish up with Ole Miss. Let's 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 finish our thought process on Ole Miss, um, and then we'll we'll get into the other stuff because you can go all across the board with all those things. Yeah. Um, okay. So going back to Ole Miss, how about our boy Tim Elko getting a statue? Apparently, verbally said in front of thousands of fans, uh, Ole Miss's athletic director um, comes out and says that. Tim Elko is going to get a freaking statue. Wait, he's, I didn't know that. I see. I've been out of the loop, so I, I, I've been trying to keep up. But um, yeah, because, like Ben, before I even get into this, we were so locked in on this season. It, it, it this past week was like my first time, like unlocking, like a detaching myself from college baseball for a little bit. You call it and, a detox. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> A detaching, detox, just like get away. From, because you know how when you're so invested in something for so long, you it, I don't want to say burnt out, 
but that's like the best way I can describe it. Where you just like need to get away, and then you can come back to it. But I didn't even know that. I I had no idea that Elko they they're actually for real doing that. Yeah, I, I tweeted the video out, and uh, it's very clear. Um, he says like it basically makes Tim Elko hold the trophy, and uh, while they're standing on their little, it's it's the last stop of the parade. They're at they're at Swayze, and uh, he stands up in front of everybody and says. Um, like hold the trophy like this, and then he's like, "Now this is gonna make a good, uh, good picture for our, our statue we're building you, or something along the lines like that." Did they everybody, erupt? Did, did everybody oh, dude, erupt? Yeah, yeah. yeah every standing I love ovation. That. I love yeah, that. but I mean, he's the captain. I mean, he's been the captain for at least the last two years, and uh, you know, led him to a national championship. Played last year on a on a torn ACL, so uh, he he gave it a, like literally gave it his all for the, for the university. Um, way more than what like Eli Manning did and, and Arch, Archie Manning did at their time. They never won a national championship. So, yeah, well-deserving to uh, to get that statue built. And I will be taking a picture in front of it one of these days. Dude, when you say somebody bleeds or just born to be an Ole Miss Rebel or born or bleed Ole Miss baby blue and red or whatever – there's not many people that come to mind in all athletics that like Tim Elko. You can think of like, you know, quarterback that started for four years. You can think of, you know, you can, you can think yeah. of a few people across the board, but what Tim Elko did for Ole Miss baseball and what time and effort and work he put in for that program is unmatched. There's nobody, there's nobody else. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, I'm rattling off some Ole Miss uh, athletes that I can think of within the last 10 years. Marshall Henderson, basketball, um, DK Metcalf, Bo Wallace, uh, Chad Kelly, Swag Kelly. Can't Bo, about him. Hey, Bo, hey, Bo Wallace, what a name, dude. Yeah. Um, um, er- baseball. What about baseball? I'm Errol Robinson. Of- Errol Robinson was one of my favorite players. Um, shortstop from, what, 20? 20- Drew Pomeran. 15? Drew Pomeran. Yeah. Lance Lynn. Think, give me some Ole Miss position players in the past, like since, let's just say since 2010. What was the uh, what was the kid's name? Will Allen or something? The catcher from their last Omaha run. He was good. Um, oh, dude, who was the big fat first baseman that everybody loved before Elko? Oh, help me out here. Come on, Cleveland, uh, not Cleveland, not um, no. Not no not not Van. Oh 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 oh! He's still there, dude. He's on. No 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 no. Did he graduate like two years last? Sykes Orvis. Sykes Orvis. Yes yes yes. What a name. Sykes Orvis. Yeah. I mean, dude. Obviously, winning a national championship puts everybody on the spotlight. Because like now, when you think of in ten five years from now, three years from now. You're going to remember all these guys because they won a national championship. But there's so many guys before these teams that were at Ole Miss that, you know, were really good, that were, you know, four-year guys that put blood, sweat, and tears in Ole Miss. But before they won a national championship, you, Tim Elko's name is cemented. Cemented? What? Freaking glazed over, glossed over. Like, it is not going anywhere. That name is forever associated with Ole Miss baseball. And, and you know what's cool with Ole Miss is – like around campus, they have the speed limit signs, and I think it's something like um, 11 and 16 miles an hour just because of 
uh, Eli Manning and, and Archie Manning. Uh, I hope they have like a 25. I think what, Tim Elko is 25, right? I'm really bad with player numbers, by the way. But oh, dude, I'm I'm awful with player numbers. When uh, I think of player numbers, I think of Jeter in number two, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> Michael Jordan, twenty three. Uh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> I'm I'm um, terrible with I'm terrible. Elko with is twenty four or twenty five. He's one yeah, of those two. I'm pr- I'm looking it up right now. He is uh, twenty five. So I hope they have a twenty five mile an hour speed limit sign somewhere on campus pretty soon because he uh, he deserves it. But um, but yeah, man. So. Let's talk about the series. Let's 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 talk about the series a little bit. Yeah. So you predicted, you predicted Oklahoma. Yeah. Let me take a step back here. The uh, I mean, I think what's getting overshadowed is the incredible run that that Oklahoma had as well. Um, Nobody thought that they would be in this position, and uh, they were they were probably the public's favorite to win the national championship once the the field was set. I mean, everybody was still doubting Ole Miss. Everybody thought Oklahoma, you know. De- deservedly so should uh should be you know Oklahoma should be the favorite to win the championship and um you know the Skip Johnson had a great great bounce back year here uh, led by a really really talented team and uh they fell just short but um yeah ta- hats off to Oklahoma they uh they proved a lot of people wrong and they're gonna be back next year pretty pretty loaded up still yeah, I think Oklahoma should um, – the recruiting should step up. As we all know, they're heading to the SEC. Um, players, I think, will buy into that program knowing their junior year could be spent in the SEC. Um, and, you know, I mean, if you're a player and you're – I mean, I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but if you're a player and you're looking at a school – your freshman year, you might sophomore year, you start getting a little taste, superstardom, starter on the team, everybody knows who you are. If I'm recruiting the next year or two, I'm starting to look at local So, um, yep, when you're on a hot spot in somewhere in Europe and you're talking to someone in the United States, you're going to have connection issues. It is what it is. Back to what I was talking about, Oklahoma um, being a recruit, going to the SEC your third or fourth year. Um, I think Oklahoma's trending in the right direction along with Texas. So I would not doubt, I would not count on the sooner anytime soon. Yeah. No, the cool thing with Oklahoma is, you know, this this happens all the time in college baseball. When a team makes an unex, unexpected Omaha run, you start seeing boosters and donors really start pushing the envelope by getting like facility upgrades and things. And uh, I've seen some things on, on Twitter and social media where there's a few things in the works for Oklahoma, um, potentially getting bigger, nicer, you know, facilities. So I hope that comes true because that's only going to help with the recruiting down the road. Um, but yeah, once they join the SEC, which I believe is not next year, but the year after that, um, you know, they're going to be able to tap into, uh, I think, a lot of higher prospects and hire like high school talent uh even though they still i guess technically do have the ability they'll get uh, i think they're gonna get the difference is like for oklahoma you're not gonna just have one or two high-end prospects every four years now you're looking at one or two every two years now you're gonna have at one point in your roster you might have five or six top 
five rounder. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just gets a little deeper. You, your talent level just gets a little. Your pool gets deeper instead of your one or two superstars. You maybe have four or five. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a good way to put it. Um, and dude, just the SEC as a whole coming up is going to be an absolute gauntlet because, I mean, you, you have Texas joining with Oklahoma. And when the news came out last year that those two schools were going to be joining, everybody was like, wow, this is going to improve the already dominant baseball conference. But Oklahoma kind of got left out. There was some there was some slander on Twitter, social media, whatever you want to call it, about like Oklahoma is going to get uh, they're basically going to get worked and they're not going to be competitive. They're going to be the next Missouri. And that's not the case at all. Uh, they have built quite a foundation. And uh, I mean, shoot, they were one of the last two teams standing uh, this past year. And uh, if they can build on that, they can really uh, they can really solidify themselves as like a future baseball school, like a really good baseball school. Um, one thing I want to think- mention about the SEC here, too. Wait, hold on one second. Um, I, I think with all this NIL stuff going around, don't you get the feeling it's it's hurting Vanderbilt quite a bit? I, I think the whole the funny money scholarship stuff that Vanderbilt has has been able to capitalize on with scholarships, uh, I think that's kind of getting thrown out the window now. It, it, I know? think it's too early to tell. It's only been one season. Mm-hmm. The NIL had been really starting to take. I don't think you can ever count. That's a good point. Yeah, Corbin, he's the innovator. He's the dude. He'll figure mm-hmm. it out. He'll figure out his strategy. Vanderbilt, not. Nah, I think it's too early to in my opinion. No, you're 100 percent right. I don't even know why I brought that up. Um, I've been putting my tinfoil cap on on, on Twitter, <laughs> reading this stuff about. I'm, I've been reading this stuff from very unqualified people. Just you know, kind of finding ways to, uh, to to discount Vanderbilt. But you're right. You know, Tim Corbin's the, one of the best in the business. He's going to find a way to to be successful at whatever he does. But um... I think – do I think the playing field will even up a little bit? Maybe. Do I think Vanderbilt is going to have to work harder and find new ways to compete? Absolutely. I mean, whenever there's a change in the landscape and the how far you can bend rules and how far – can go with recruiting and yada yada it forces team the status quo to change so Vanderbilt what they've been doing for the past 10 years might not be good enough anymore might maybe they have to step it up a little bit and do they figure it out we'll see so, so I think that's the kind of the challenge right now for all these programs is who can master the blueprint first and right now whatever what LSU is doing is it sustainable? We'll find out. But they're they're kind of building the blueprint that we'll see if this would be the right way to win. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, one thing about NIL, and I guess we'll we'll, we'll transfer into this LSU topic, you know, because they just signed not signed, sorry. Well, I guess you can say signed. Uh, Tommy Tanks headed from NC State after his remarkable freshman campaign. He's going to Baton Rouge. Uh, so Christian Little. Uh, one of the, the freak athletes on the mound uh, for Vanderbilt the last few years that hasn't really found his role. He's heading down to Baton Rouge. Um, let's see. There, there was two more guys that are headed there that I had a list of four, but I didn't write it down. Uh, Paul, wait, is that guy, is Paul Skeen heading to LSU or no? 
Potentially, yeah. That was one of the names. I don't think he's officially signed. Oh, Hurston Waldrip from Southern Miss is really – I've heard rumors that he's leaning towards LSU. Um, so he might go from Southern Miss to LSU. Uh, it, it's just – there's a lot of uh, – oh, Vanderbilt shortstop is headed there as well. Carter Young, yep. Yeah, Carter Young. He He's going to be going to LSU. So Jay Johnson did it last year with um, – with when, once he transferred over from Arizona to LSU, oh Jacob Berry, Jacob Berry, Jacob Berry, Jacob Berry, yep. yeah, yeah, um, like Jacob Berry is coming or came last year from Arizona with Jay Johnson, so um, yeah, that was another big move last year. But we'll see. I mean, sometimes it just it doesn't take talent to win a college World Series. We saw that with Tennessee this past year. Uh, the you know it, it's about the team that's playing the best and the team that can play together the best. So, you know, we might not see let me ask you this. in Omaha. Let me, let me ask you this. Since we didn't quite finish our Ole Miss and so Ole Miss, two game beat. Um, it wasn't even, it wasn't, I mean, Oklahoma, it was kind of close. But at the end of the day, you just felt it in the air that Ole Miss was winning the thing. You, you just, I mean, from the first pitch, um, Ole Miss had that national championship in the bag. But do you think if Tennessee was in that national championship, do you think Ole Miss still wins it? Would the, they would they just just gonna win no matter what? Yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, it's tough to tell. I mean, Tennessee their pitching staff was was incredible all year. They just ran into that the the Notre Dame team that was pretty much just playing flawless baseball at the time. And uh, I don't know. That's a good question. If if Ole Miss at their peak played Tennessee at their peak, who would win? In a three-game series, oh, at, at their peak, at their peak, Tennessee. But you can't. We can't predict who would have been at the, their peak. I just think. No, I, I was saying like Ole Miss at their peak versus like let's just say Tennessee all year. Um, I think that would have been a good, a really good matchup. It'd probably been a cu- couple two to one games, one nothing games, very low scoring. Yeah, I, 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 I just, I mean, Oklahoma's offense the past month of the season was. I'm, I'm unstoppable. But then again, you just sit there and wonder, like, some of these other teams, like, I mean, Southern Miss stymied or shut down LSU often, who was also another really – so it just makes you wonder. I, I, just, I just don't know if, there, if Ole Miss was losing to anybody at that point because, I mean, what they did was incredible. So two-game uh-huh. sweep, um, it would pretty much – Dominant. I mean, good for them. I mean, that's pretty much all. I think I pretty much, I said everything I need to say about the national championship. Yeah. The um, the next topic here. I mean, Link Jarrett going to FSU. Like it's it's been about a week. Oh, let's see. It's been yeah, exactly a week since he uh, was announced the head coach there. Notre Dame still hasn't replaced him yet. Uh, I think there's a few names swirling that uh, could be. Could be announced today, according to Kendall Rogers. So um, we might see Notre Dame's next head coach. But um, any thoughts on Florida State going with Link Jarrett, who's probably like one of the hottest names in, in baseball coaching right now? Ben, do you think – you, can you, on the top of your head, remember any more predictable coaching hires? Like, we, I mean, it was almost – 100% backage Clemson and Link Jarrett to Florida State once they fired Martin. And it, I'm just sitting here like, 
those were so predictable. Have there been any other hires in recent memory that were that predictable? That's a good question. Uh... Like, I mean, I'm trying to think. Schlossnagel to A&M came out of nowhere. I'm came out of nowhere. Alumni. I'm trying to think um, of alumni. Like, um, I, I mean, Godwin had been in East Carolina for so long, I don't remember I don't remember him the, like, yeah. the, when he got hired. Remember when LSU last year hired uh, Jay Johnson? That came out of nowhere. Everybody thought it was going to be either Vitello or maybe Van Horn, maybe Bianco. There was a lot of yeah, yeah. Sullivan. There was a there, lot of yeah. names. Yeah, Sully with the with the with the big one for the LSU mm-hmm. job. Yeah, I mean, Link Jared, Florida State. It felt like it was inevitable. It was gonna happen. There was no question about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when 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 they asked Link Jared about Mike Martin being fired, or was it Martin? No. Yeah, it was when when Martin Jr. got fired, and he was like, "That was my my roommate." Um, he was like, "That was my roommate." Um, I don't really have much to say. Um, you know, but you know what I mean. Like basically, he was just like, "Dude, my roommate just got fired. I'm not really thinking about that. I'm, I just want to. I'm about to win a series at Tennessee, a super. Yeah, yeah. Like, but then you were thinking like, he's going there. Like, you know what I mean. Like, you just knew he was going there. Yeah, he just so. couldn't say it yet. It was it was almost like they had that pre-planned. Um, All right, who makes it to Omaha? Link, Florida State, or Georgia Clemson? That's a really good question. Um, it, dude, I think both of them have a very equal shot. Like next year, not even like down the road. Just next year, um, you know, Clemson brought in. A few of Michigan studs already they've signed, like Willie Weiss. See, I um, didn't know. I haven't even, I don't know, but I haven't been following like that. So they did, he already confirmed by some of his guys. Yeah, no, for sure. I think there's been three or four of them already. Um, that's a, uh, dude, that's a good question. I think my gut says Florida State. Um, but it wouldn't, dude, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if, if Clemson made it next year and was a, a real factor. I, I just think that Clemson's losing some of their best talent. I know Florida State is as well, but Florida State typically reloads. Um, but we'll see. What about you? What What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I would have. I think I'm fifty. Okay, um, but yeah, I would probably lean for the state just because they're more of a blue blood the last ten years. Yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying, too. I'm leaning to Florida State. We've seen them there in 2019. We haven't seen Clemson there since when, like 2016-ish, 2017? It's been a little Omaha? Long. Yeah. They haven't been to Omaha in – I don't think it's been – I don't think they've been to Omaha in the last – I want to say – Maybe you're years. right. It's been since – Ten years. Yeah, since like 2012, maybe. Dude, honestly, it might be long. I don't think they've been to Omaha since 2010. Before that, it's been over 10, 10 to 12 years. I'm looking it up right now. I'm going to guess 2008 or 2009 was the last time they went. I think it's eight or nine, maybe. Last time they were in Omaha was uh, 2010. You're right. Wow. 2010. 13 seasons. Yeah, so 
yeah, this is unfamiliar territory for them again. So, yeah, I mean, two fantastic hires in the ACC. I mean, I think that conference is going to only get better. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, now, speaking of conferences that are getting better, the Big Ten just got a lot better in baseball, in my opinion. I just, uh, I mean, I, what the hell are they doing? Like, what the hell are they doing? Somebody posted, like, a, a graphic or a picture of the United States and showed all the Big Ten team their location, and then it just showed USC and UCLA, and you're just like, what are we doing here? Like, where did that come from? Why are we doing this? It's for football and basketball. Well, yeah, we, we've all known for a few years now that, that super conferences were coming very soon, uh, especially for football. Uh, and, of course, they're going to bring all of their – they have to bring all of their, their, their sports teams along with them. But, uh, yeah, we, super conferences are going to be a real thing. And, and the Pac-12 has been missing the boat the last four or five years, and uh, they probably aren't headed in the right direction. So, so yeah, I mean, UCLA and USC made a business decision. They thought that uh, the best route for them was to uh, get out of there and join a, a conference that's heading in the right direction to, to get more money. And um, the Pac-12 is going to be hurting big time without those two schools there. I mean, what, what the hell is the Pac-12 without USC and UCLA? Like, what is the Pac-12? Like, the Pac-12, Oregon, Oregon State, I mean – Dude, I feel bad for Oregon State. I mean, like, yeah, and the, baseball these schools are getting screwed. Mm -hmm. um, but even from a baseball standpoint, like, who, like, what fan gives a shit about watching UCLA versus Indiana or watching UCLA versus, I mean, Maryland and Michigan or. Yeah, and, and, and like bigger name brand, Nebraska. But when you're. Yeah, it's going to be weird for sure. And, and Kendall Rogers tweeted yesterday that um, it's going to be weird. Like on a Sunday, UCLA is going to have to catch a five hour flight back from Rutgers, and the game's going to go extra innings, and they're going to have to tie. You know, it's going to be a lot of that, like a lot of travel restrictions. You know? I mean, if you start, if you started, let's just say you start a noon game, what's the furthest team on the furthest team East Rutgers? Maryland, a record. It's got to be the furthest team. Okay, record. You start a noon game in New Jersey, and it's three o'clock. You're at the airport by five five thirty. You get home ten thirty. Now you get home seven thirty on the West Coast because of the three hour time difference. So I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. No, but think about it. Like if Rutgers flies to like Los Angeles and they play a noon game, that's really a three p.m. game. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, so that's going to suck. Yeah, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, with these super conferences and money and Neil, I think the least, I think the, the you know what? I just It just came to my mind. What is the focus in money, right? All these things are being based by money, right? Right. And Neil deal, NIL, and all that stuff. So they're becoming more, more pro athletes than amateur. They're trending more in the pro direction. I think curfews and all that shit are going to get thrown out the window for sport. Classes are going to become secondary to their sport. Mm -hmm. So I would not be surprised if all that shit gets thrown out the window in the next couple of years. Dude, you're right. I mean, classes, they are going to come secondary. They're mostly done online now. So 
yeah, it's going to be, it would be in theory tough to handle like schoolwork with flying across the country and stuff for these schools. But with, uh, with most of the classes done online and a lot of the assignments done online, it, athletics is going to take a leap forward and, and, and a- academics is going to be taking a step back. I mean, basically what college is becoming is minor league, when I'm talking about football and basketball, because baseball is always going to be an academic and then athletic sport. Because, I mean, yeah. outside of, let's just say, outside of a handful, let's just say 50 to 100, let's just say 100 players maximum are getting true life-changing money and NIL deals in college baseball. Mm-hmm. The other 90 Five percent of them, just another. It's just it's nothing is changing. Nothing is changing. <laughs> You're still going to be paying student loan. You're still going to like nothing changing outside of a few college baseball names each year. Football and basketball, like yeah, I mean second class of the being secondary because it's become minor league. If you're not good enough to get a top five round pick in the NBA or First round pick in NBA or top, you know, top round in baseball. You go to school, but see, that's what I'm, it's just it's just a mess because football you have to go to college, basketball you have to go to college unless you go overseas mm-hmm. or whatever. So these guys don't give a shit about school. They're just going there for their three years, get paid, and then go to the, the league and get paid more money. Baseball, you can get drafted out of high school, but if you're going to go to college. Yeah, you can go Is JUCO. Really you could do anymore? Yeah, you could do a lot of stuff. JUCO, um, so, yeah. Japan. You can go. My, yeah, you can. There's so many options. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, uh, yep. Yeah. I mean, this it's it's a mess. It's a mess that it's it's. You know what it is? Too many things are happening too too fast. Yeah, and and I, I tweeted this the other day, like. A lot of people just like aren't ready for the change and especially changes that don't have any warning leading up to it. Uh, it, It's just different. We're not used to it. We don't know how things are going to work. There's nothing that's being really regulated right now. It's kind of the wild, wild west. Yep. And you know what? Here, I'll put it in perspective here. NBA or basketball and football players going to the draft or going Lost you again. Let me write this down. 44. It's like a college baseball player going to a mid-major. Okay, am I back? Yeah, you're back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just think with saying I'm okay. going to put it in perspective. Come on, football. They go, they, they have to go to college, and then they go to the league, right? Mm-hmm. Baseball, think of it this way. Think of a baseball player that doesn't get drafted high school. Go to a mid-major for your, and then transfer to a Power Five school right before his draft eligible junior year. That's basically his way of saying I'm declaring for the draft. Transfer to another Power Five school, a lot of exposure. Put your talent up again. get paid so when guys are leaving 
all American ever mid major school. Like it? No. Do I am I a no? Because I like these small school guys making a name for themselves at their small school, loyalty and everything. But business says go to the Power Five school for your draft eligible junior year and get and go get paid. Yeah, and it sucks because we always do root for like the little guys, but uh, it's going to be hard for like some of these better mid major teams to keep a whole squad together and uh, and stay. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not unless they just have a coach that they're hundred percent bought into. It's going to take a lot of uh, a lot of adjustments um, because instead of having a first rounder potentially coming back to school and playing for your guys and and having a whole bunch of draft guys on a mid major team, it's not going to happen anymore with the NIL um, in the transfer portal. They're going to go find a bigger and better opportunity and and try to make themselves more money, which I don't blame them, and you can't blame them for that. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, yeah, us, yeah. I'll, yeah, I want to make that clear. I think being in support of it and liking are two different things. Do we blame the players for doing it? No. Do we like We can, those are not, like, I don't like it. Not at them, no, because at the end of the day, you've got to worry about yourself first. And whatever the opportunity is, you got to take it. But no, it's for I mean, to see a mid-major team. Uh, the last part cut out. What'd you say? I said you're not going to see um, you're not going to see mid-major teams in Omaha anytime soon with the way things are going right now. Yeah, they're going to have to. They're going to have to have pretty much just a miracle run. That's what it's going to take. Um, guys that aren't and, draft prospects that, that turn into them. Yep. And you know what else? It's the same trend again with the whole 11.7 scholarship. Football has their 85 because they need it. They make the money for the school. They mm-hmm. fund athletic programs. That's what all does. Now, you know, football's leading the charge in again. Super complicated. All this stuff. They, the transfer portal started with football and it's trickling the other sports. Super conference alignment started with football trickling in other sports. It's the same thing yet again. Whatever football wants is what football does, and the other sport yep. just follows suit. And baseball is not a good sport for this. It's not. It's not a good sport for this. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of question marks, but uh, I mean, ultimately, I guess to like wrap up the show, the uh, you know, this year, I don't know. What do you want to do as far as offseason content? I think I want to. Uh, Maybe check in like once a month or so, record record a podcast. Um, we don't have to necessarily talk about like full college baseball stuff. I mean, we could talk about whatever baseball is going on around. I mean, we got like Little League World Series that we could – I don't know. Nah, I'm not going to watch the Little League World Series. Bye, bye. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have I mean, to wait until – maybe this we could, fall hey. we'll come back and uh, – yeah, with the way my Wi-Fi going, I don't think people want to listen to me in the next two months. I think it's two months. But you know what, Ben? Maybe we'll do a little Team USA collegiate national team recap in Hong Kong, yeah. which, by the way, guys, the team, national team playing in Amsterdam, which is, well, it's actually Harlem, which is about 30 minutes outside of Amsterdam, in their Hong Kong week, which is the Dutch word for baseball. Um, 
USA. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually where they're playing, I played there 2016, where where the tournament is. Played is it a pretty sweet stadium? It's, it's. I mean, no, no. It's just a really. <laughs> it's just think big league surface. Um, think big league surface. Little bit, little bigger than Mercer Stadium. Mercer uh, the quad. Oh, really? So it's it's like pretty small, but nice. It's super nice, but it's smaller. I'm a smaller app. I'm trying to think of another school. Maybe Georgia Southern. Not quite as big as Georgia Southern, but something a little like something like that. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, are those are those but, games going to be like televised or like streamable? Yeah, they will. They will. They will be. I think either it's going to be on WBSC TV or something. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll share it out. But yeah. Team USA, Netherlands, Curacao. Cuba, Japan, and Italy will be your 16th in it. I don't see anybody competing. I mean, I don't know who Japan's sending. Um, Japan will probably send their top prospect team, which is also a really damn good team. Um, Curacao is going to Curacao is going to be sending basically whoever is not on the Dutch team. Curacao will have that. Will have those players, whether they're probably the older guys or young prospects that have not made the Dutch national team yet. Um, basically that's how that will work. And then Italy will send majority, majority of those guys will be Italian. Um, the pro guys, I don't know if the pro guys will be able to leave. So that's Team USA tournament to win, um, depending on what Japan brings. But yeah, that should be a fun international baseball guy. If you guys want to get your feet wet and all that before the WBC next year. Um, oh, we yeah. have to do WBC content. That's my favorite time of the year favorite tournament in the world yeah. ever. But yeah, that's your little re- your little summary of the honkball week in Harlem. Um, it's fun baseball, guys. If you guys want to just kind of see what the talent looks like in other countries, I recommend tuning in. Um, Team USA will be much better than these other teams. But um, yeah, it's it basically get a, kind of a feel and a taste of what some of these other countries have talent-wise. Yeah, well, uh, that that wraps it up here for the uh, 2022 college baseball season. Appreciate everybody for following along, listening. Uh, we'll we'll have some off season content this year. Uh, we'll figure it out. And uh, best of luck to you, Dimitri. Hopefully, you you shove this this summer and uh, and appreciate win, it, dude. Win another championship. You won one last year, right? Yeah. Hopefully, we make it back to back championship. So, all right, sounds good. Y'all have a good one. Yeah, alrighty.